0: We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Today we are in a series where we're looking at discipleship and, and what it means for us. But before we kind of dig into that, I want you to do something for me today. I want you to do a wee exercise for me today, okay? No, you don't actually have to physically get up. This is not a aerobics class, you'll be glad to know. I wouldn't lead it very well either, anyway. But anyway, I want you to do this. Imagine yourself many years from now, of course it'll be many years from now, uh, imagine yourself in heaven. Imagine yourself in heaven one day. Okay? Even uh, I know wave, I know, sorry, not wave, ignite. That was very old terminology. <laughs> uh, you know, I know for you who are young, you're thinking, man, that, I don't even want to think about heaven. But one day you will be there. We will be there. Um, if we believe in Christ, that is, that is our destiny. So think about heaven for a moment. Okay? Now, think about what it will be like. Think about who is around you or what is around you. But more importantly, what I want you to do today is think about what will you be like? What will you... Be, imagine? So imagine yourself in heaven. Okay, you got that? What will you be like when you're there? Like, will you still have the... Personality that you have now? Well, uh, yeah. yeah. That depends on how good you think your personality is, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, think about who you are as a person, what you would take with you as someone going into heaven. And here's the other big question. What would you leave behind? What would not be present with you and who you are as a person in heaven that is present with you in your personality or in your character, and your nature now? Just hold that, kind of, hold that thought as we go on this journey uh, together today. Because it's interesting, you might think, well, we, you know, we shouldn't, you know, heaven, you know, it's not sort of something that we talk about that often in church. But we ought to, because we are all going to go there one day. Actually, when you think about it, You're going to spend way more of your life in heaven than you are on earth, right? It's true, but we tend to focus on this life. But before Jesus left, he was teaching his disciples, he was saying, I am going to prepare a place for you. Jesus was very clear on the fact that he is preparing us for eternity. He is preparing a place for us. And then in John 14 where he says this, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He spends the next three chapters telling his disciples, now here's how you can prepare yourself to go there. Here's here's what it looks like. Here's the changes that I expect to have happen in you so that you're ready to go to be with me where I am. So what we see in scripture is that God has a very clear purpose for our lives. Actually, as you go through your devotional notes that um, this week, you'll see that way before we were even born, like, get your head around that way before you were even born, way before your parents even conceived that they were going to have you, that even had in their minds to have kids, God already knew that you would be here at this place at this time. He knew that you would live here and now, in February 2024, here in Christchurch, or if you're out of Christchurch, wherever you live. Okay, So so he knew that you would be where you are now, and your personality and your talents and all of that sort of thing, and had in mind that when he created you, he wasn't just creating you for here and now, he was creating you for eternity. Now that is quite a mind-boggling thought, when you step back and think about it. But it really shapes a lot of the theology and the outlook of the New Testament in particular and pulls theology as to who we are as people, how we are to see ourselves and how we are to relate to Christ, how we are to relate to those around us. And that's what we've been looking at in this series called Discipleship Explored. We will look at what is God's purpose for our lives? And one of the things that is very clear in the New Testament, and certainly in Paul's mind, is that this purpose for your life is not just to save you from your sin, although that's a very important step, and it's a step that we need to make to come into a relationship with God, but it goes way beyond that. God didn't just save us from our sin through Christ, he is making us mature members of his family of his extended family that goes on into eternity. And he has a very clear picture of what you will look like in heaven. He already has that really clear in his mind. You might not be clear on that, but God is really clear on that. How do I know that? Here's, here's how Paul reflects on it in Romans chapter 8. He says this, and this is probably a scripture that you know well. Romans 8 verse 28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. Why is he working for good in those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose? Right? So what Paul is saying here is that God is consistently working in your life because he has this vision very clearly in mind, of what your life will look like ultimately. And he's working in your life to develop that. Okay, what is that? Verse 29 says this, For those God foreknew, those God he had in mind even before they were born, that purpose, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He also had already chosen that you, each one of us here sitting in this room today, Every one of us here would have the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's God's purpose. That one day this extended family, and as uh, John T. was talking about it before, in this, we're just one part of God's bigger church, right? All around the world. The, the hundreds of millions or billions of people down in, in the world at the moment and down through history that call on the name of Christ, God is extending that extended family and bringing us all together one day for eternity. And we will bring all the diversity of our culture, our personality, our talents, all of that sort of thing. There will be this amazing diversity of people, millions of people before us throne. But all with one heart and one purpose. All reflecting Christ. Those he predestined or those he called. He also called, he called, he justified. He, those he justified, he also glorified. What does, it, what does glorified mean? Glorified basically means you become all of who God called you to be. You actually become like Jesus. Yeah, all of who you are now, but that with the character of Christ in you. Now that's God's really clear vision and purpose for your life. He's he's really clear on that. He's certain of it. He's he's got no doubt about it. He's he's bringing you to maturity. That's his purpose for your life, and he is very committed to that purpose. And here's the thing that we need to grasp in this, and this is what Paul wants his readers to grasp, is that the quicker we adopt that vision and go, I I agree with that. What God's purpose is for my life, that's the purpose that I want for my life. The quicker we do that, the quicker we become the person that God's called us to be. We can either fight against it or we go with it. Now, now Paul Paul knew this in his own life. Paul was a guy that fought against that vision initially. He kind of went, yeah, yeah I know, I, I can see what you're doing, God, but I, actually I want to go this way. And then God got his attention one day, threw him off his horse, and, 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 and he had a, Paul had a vision of who Christ really was and who Christ was calling him to be, what that vision for him was. And so in Philippians, he talks about that vision that God's called him to and how he wants to know Christ above everything else, and how it's completely changed his life. And this is a, a summary of it, is in Philippians 3 verse 12, we read this, Not that I've already obtained all this. Not that I've attained this life that Christ has called me to. I've already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. What a great line. Wouldn't it be cool to say that, to say, yep, in my life I'm taking hold of that which Christ has taken hold of me. Another way to say it is, I've got my heart and my mind and my vision set on God's purpose for my life. Not just my purpose, but his purpose for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Notice that what Paul is doing here. He's going, I see a life beyond this life. It's not just about character transformation in me. It's not just about me being all that I can be here in this life. I can see that this life is just preparing me for the next life. For what God is calling me heavenward to, to this goal, this prize, this finishing line, at the end of my life. Well, you could say it's the end of our physical life, but really just the transition to the next one. And I want to be as prepared for that as I can be. And so for Paul, that clarified the character changes that he needed to make in his own life. It clarified his values and priorities. It clarified what he put his time and energy into. And it should do for us as well. When we catch that vision, when we catch that vision of, God, this is who you're calling me to be. This is, this is your purpose for my life. I can see what you're doing and why you're doing it. When we catch that, we go, Ah, Okay, the most important purpose in my life is that I am an important member of his family one day and all that that means. Uh, A few weeks ago, I um, was watching the news and I saw Prince William. He was conferring, um, I think, some knighthoods um, on some people at uh, Buckingham Palace. And uh, he was doing it because he was filling in for King Charles. I'm still getting used to that. I've got to get used to that phrase. Yeah, so because so King Charles was in hospital and so Prince William was filling in and he, he was, he was uh, a lot more formal than he usually is. You know, He had his whole formal garb on and all that sort of thing and he looked kind of a bit serious and all that sort of thing. And I was just reflecting on it and it's interesting... Um, with Prince William, is, is, is if, you're, if you're around uh, 45 or older, you've actually seen um, on the media all, all through life, you've seen Prince William grow up from a, from a little kid right through to an adult now and taking on the responsibilities he has. And I was just thinking about that, is that even from a very young age, he would have been taught, here's your purpose. Here's who you are. Here's who you're called to be. Now, he can shape that a little bit differently depending on his personality and approach and things like that. But there is an expectation of here's the role, here's, here's the family that you're born into. And because of this, here's the character qualities that you need to develop in your life. And I think on the whole he's, uh, he's done that and many would say he's, he's done that very well. And that's kind of a bit of a picture of us. You're royalty. You're, you're God's royalty. You're, you're in his family, and there are expectations that he has for you coming into that family. And he's going, I, I want to shape you and prepare you for that future. And now I, he, God accepts that we're all on different places on that journey. And sometimes we look at our lives and go, yeah, I probably could do a whole lot better. But here's the point. Here's the, the, the main thing that we need to know is God is completely committed to that journey that you're on. He is totally focused on what that looks like. And the clearer that we can have of that vision as well and we embed that vision in our lives, the easier it actually make is to make a whole lot of decisions in, around our lives because we go, ah... Oh, Well, what would God want me to do in this situation? What does Christ-like character look like in this situation? There's a whole lot of decisions that actually, in many ways, God doesn't care. God doesn't care whether you have fish and chips tonight or a Burger King or whether you make your own dinner or what, what you have. He actually doesn't really care, but what he does care about well, maybe he does, <laughs> depending on how healthy it is. But, um, you know, he does care about you looking after your body, but more importantly, he cares about you looking after your spirit. He cares about you looking after your mind, what you're thinking about, how, how you approach life. How do we know that? Because we look at Christ as our example. When, as, we, as we read about in Romans 8 there, We are being made like Christ. So if we want to know what the vision for our life looks like, we look to Christ as our example. We look to the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth around that. And another area that I've been pondering on this week is we look at the book of Revelation. Now, why do we look at that? Because we get an insight, we get a snapshot in Revelation of the people that come into God's family. And when you look at the book of Revelation, there's interesting things. Do a wee study on this if you want to, and go. What is the what is the body of Christ? What do the people of God look like in Revelation? And here's a few things that you'll come, um, that'll be that'll be revealed to you. One of the things is God is looking for a holy people. In Revelation, it, it talks about a bride beautifully dressed for a husband pure and clean. Yes, God is going to make you holy. And that's kind of a bit challenging now and again, isn't it? No, I, I totally get that. God, what he will do is he will remove things from your life that are not of him, and he will impart things in your life that are of him. And as he's removing those things, you'll, you'll have a bit of a wrestling match and go, I'm not so sure I want to let this go. But God wants you to let this, you, let you go, let, <laughs> help you let go of it. Why? Because it's not who you are. It's not who you are. The sin that you are doing at the moment is not who you are. As we've been singing about today, you are a child of God. Sin is not part of being a child of God. So remove it from your life. The fruit of the Spirit is something that a child of God has on them. Love, joy, peace, patience, those things. God won't remove those things from your life. No, he will instil those things in your life. See, God is committed to this process of holiness where he's putting things in your life that are of him and he's removing things in, in your life that aren't of him. And I appreciate when I talk about that, you go, man, I'm a work in progress. Well, we all are, join the club. Yeah, that's, that's the point. I remember earlier on in my um, Christian life, um, I made this very foolish mistake of, I thought I had dealt with all my sin. Yeah, and, and you'll have a wee smile. At you, but, but I was a fairly young Christian, you know, and I had stopped swearing and I didn't get angry as much as I used to. And I was being pretty nice to everybody. And, and I kind of came to God in prayer and went, God, I, I think i got this nailed. I, I, I think I'm pretty holy. Yeah, I was pretty arrogant when I was 18 years old. And then God went, okay, well, how about this? <laughs> you know? And it was in the area of my thought life and my thinking about other people. And I went, oh, yeah, okay got a little way to go. (laughs) See, God deals with the obvious things first, and then he deals with some of the deeper things. And, And whether you're on the obvious things at the moment or whether you're on the deeper things, here's the point. God is committed to your holiness because he is looking for a holy people. Here's the second one, uh, and, and I wasn't sure about the wording of this, but it's the best word that I could um, think of. Maybe the English language, we need another word for this, is faithfulness, that God is looking for your heart to be aligned with him, that you would be faithful to who God is and his ways and his kingdom, that you would be the person that, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, that you would seek his kingdom First, above all else. What does that mean? It means that your priorities, your values, the the things that are important in your life become what's important to him. And now that's a very different orientation to your life. But it's a really important orientation. Why? Because when we look at the end of the story, what God is looking for is not just a holy church, but a church that are loyal to him. Think about that in Revelation where he says, you know, these ones, these ones did not receive the mark on their forehead or their hands. They they didn't compromise. They stayed true to me. Whatever you call that word, if you can think of a better word than faithfulness, then go for it. But that, whatever you call that, that, that trueness to God, that integrity of character, that loyalty might be another word, to the things of God, those who are faithful to him. And that's hard. I get it. We live in a world that's not committed to holiness or faithfulness to God, right? We live in a world that's committed to happiness. Like, do whatever keeps you happy. Like, if you enjoy that, would well do that. Because really, life is just about the pursuit of happiness. And yes, if you don't have a vision of God's purpose for your life, it's easy to get sidetracked into just a pursuit of happiness. But, but that's not what God's called us to do. He's not committed to your happiness. Now, you will be happy in heaven one day, but... That's not the point of life now. That's why you might go through some difficult trials. And God will work it to good in your life. Why? Because he's committed to your Christ-likeness, not your happiness. So a holy people, a faithful people. And the other one we see is a fruitful people. God looks at his church and he goes, wow, you extended my kingdom. You worked with my spirit to extend the kingdom around you. John 15, verse 16 says this You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that fruit lasts into eternity. There are many examples in Scripture where it says what we do, who we are, and, and what the good that we have done around our life in Christ actually lasts into eternity. One of the examples of that is the parable of the talents, where God says, I give you these talents. I give you a talent to connect with people. I give you a talent to teach people. I give you a talent to encourage people. How are you doing with that? How are you going with that? Are you using that? Because if you are, those things actually last until eternity. You know, there's an old saying, um, you know, that you, hey, don't worry too much about money because you can't take it with you. Well, no, that's true. You can't take money with you, but you can take a whole lot of other things. What you do for the kingdom of God, you take with you. I was talking to a lady this week, and we were talking about. Um, Life and life purpose, and uh, she said, Oh, I've got some clarity on that. And I said, Oh, tell me about it. She goes, Oh, when I was a teenager, I was really broken, I was, I was just, yeah, I, I was in a really, really dark place. Actually, I, I thought about taking my life, I just thought life is, is hopeless, I, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't see the point. And someone came alongside me in that dark place, in that lonely place, in that broken place, and just sat with me and and extended grace to me and loved me. And as they did, I, I found healing, I found wholeness, I found Christ in that place. And I went, okay, that's cool, but that doesn't sort of tell me about your life purpose. And she goes, oh, that's what I want to do for other people. I said, I'm, I'm at my best when I get alongside especially young people and, and, and those who are more broken the better, she goes, because oh, I, just, I just know exactly where they're at and I just love journeying with them. And I go, that is so cool. That is so cool that she's got such clarity as to, t- to be able to do that. And I said, how, how many opportunities do you have to do that? And she goes, oh, yeah, once or twice a month. I said, that's fantastic. You know, do that, and, 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 and I was just praying with her that God would give her even more opportunities to do that. Why? Because God's called us to be a fruit, fruit that will last. Transformation in our lives and transformation that we can bring to the world around us. And that's what we're talking about in this series, is this discipleship journey that we are, that we are on it's part of it is that we become more like Christ. Yes, we relate well, we're to relate well to God, we're to to relate well to each other, we're to relate well to the world around us, but we're also to think right about ourselves. We get a clear picture of who we really are, who who God says we are. We develop healthy thinking around that. And in particular, we focus on the goal of what Christ wants to do in us, which is make him more like him, that we would be like him, that we would be Christ-like. And here's the really cool bit in all of this. Just in case you're thinking, man, this is a pretty heavy sermon. I don't know if I can be as holy and as faithful and as fruitful as God has called me to be. Here's the cool thing is God will do it. If you let him, God will do it. This isn't isn't God asking you to do something and just leaving you to it. God resources what he purposes. And if he's got this very clear vision in, in his mind of who you will be in the future, you can trust him that he is working in your life now to bring that vision about. Actually, Paul says it this way in um, Philippians 1 verse 6. And I am certain that God who began a good work, what is the good work? It's this Christ-transforming work in you. The good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. You see, God has the future very clear in his mind. And he has that goal in mind. And he is relentlessly pursuing that goal in you right now. He will never give up on that goal. And actually, when you think about it, you know this is true, right? Because when you start pushing back against that goal, you go, Ah, he just, yeah, he just keeps going. (laughs) He just keeps quietly working on my conscience. He just keeps quietly working on me. Paul knew this. He knew that actually in his testimony, I think it was before King Agrippa, he talks about the time that that God knocked him off his horse and he had that vision. And Jesus says to him, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you resisting the purpose that I have for your life? Why don't you just go with it? I remember reading the testimony of C.S. Lewis, who was a a great author of the um, 20th century wrote many amazing books, but he was a, a devout atheist for many years. And then he uh, was challenged to consider the claims of Christ and so he sat down to prove that these Christians were wrong. And as he as he worked through all the evidence and as he was processing it, there was a time that he was sitting in front of his fire, his Bible on the lap, trying to prove that this wasn't correct. And then God just Caught his heart, and he realised, no, Jesus is who He says He is. I can't fight against this truth anymore. And he actually says it this way: he says, "I was the most reluctant convert in all of England." You know, he said, "Okay, God, fine, you win." <laughs> and then God completely transformed his life, and he uh, went on to have it a tremendous effect on uh, Christianity from that point on. But the 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 amazing thing is that God was very committed to that transformation in his life. And God is very committed to that transformation in you. And the same thing as with Paul, as with C.S. Lewis, as with anyone around you that has given their life to Christ, there has to come a point in your life where you go, okay, God, I give up. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not about what I want or my happiness. It's about you and your Christ-like purpose for me. And here's the interesting thing, is that when we actually focus on that goal, we actually discover who we truly are. We actually can't be who we truly are without Christ. That's an amazing revelation that you have when you come to Christ. So if you're here today and you're going, I've never heard that before. I never knew that there was a purpose to my life that was beyond just what I wanted. Well, there is. There is an eternity with God that God is calling you to. There is a family that he wants you to be a part of. There is a, a person that he wants you to become. He knows you. He's called you. And he's just waiting for you today to respond to him and say, yes, God, I accept you for who you are. And that does mean that you turn from living your way. It means from turning from your sin and choosing him. But if you choose to take that step today, you get on the track of who God has always called you to be. You actually become who you truly are. You actually discover your real identity. So if that's you today, I pray that you make that choice. And if you're here today and you've already made that choice, I want you to come right back to the start of the message and reflect on what I challenged you with. Imagine that day when you are face-to-face with Jesus because we all will be. It is appointed unto man once to die and then face judgment. We all face Christ one day. We all stand before him face-to-face to give an account of our lives. To give an account of this process, this work that he has done in us of holiness, of faithfulness, of fruitfulness. So let me me ask you the question again. What are you taking with you? And what are you leaving behind? What is something that God is telling you today to leave behind? What is something that God is telling you today to go, you need to put this down. It's not of me. It's been too long, it's attached to you, but it is not who you are. And what is he asking you to pick up? What is a Christ-like character quality or a, a, or a passion that he's given you that you've neglected that he's going, I want you to pick that up because I want you to carry that into eternity with me. I'm going to carry it with you. I'm going to do this good work in you, but I want you to pick it up today.